Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hanson O'Neill, your host of the show. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe and share. I love that. Today's quote of the day is the commitment of giving your best at all times, in all circumstances, and under all conditions can enable you to find value in and lend value to every experience by John Templeton. Now, this show is going to be a little different than we usually do. We absolutely have no idea where it's going, and I had to coerce my guest. <laughs> I don't typically have to coerce my guest. I had to bribe him with ice cream, but I, I think it's going to be a good show. Now, this gentleman I have found to be absolutely amazing and you can't see but he's he's blushing right now his name is john lennon and he is a red cross volunteer of eight years and he supervises teams of volunteers at a local and national level now what inspired me to ask him onto the show was the fact that he he lives a life that is very very authentic and giving and you know how i feel about contribution and what he does on a regular basis is give of himself. And I think that there are there are levels of, of giving. I, I encourage everybody to give. People give sometimes of their money, sometimes of their time, sometimes you know their presence, their energy. Um, but John does an amazing job of being fully present and giving of the most valuable resource he has, which is his time all the time. What he does is really quite extraordinary. And he had been telling me a story that made me say, Steph, wait, wait, you need to tell this story for more people. So we're going to give it a shot. Like I said, there's ice cream involved. So here we go. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I like ice cream. I know. I know. Don't we all? Who doesn't like ice cream? Right. Exactly. But thanks for having me today. I'm, I'm excited about being here. Thank you. Oh, good. After the coercion, are you really excited about the show or are you excited about the ice cream? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Let's be I'll tell you at the end. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Right. Absolutely. Now, um, John, how about you tell us a little bit about you know what made you decide to get into the Red Cross volunteering? Yeah, that's a great story. So, so in in the town that I come from and live in, um, I feel like I took a lot out of the community. I was very successful in business over the years. I had the opportunity to sell that business, and part of selling that business was a plan, right? Once you once you figure out what you're going to do, you got to figure out what you're going to do next. I decided that I needed to fill that time slot, and I knew I wanted to give back to the community that gave so much to me. Um, over the last 20 years. So it was part of the plan, like a semi-retirement. And um, once I got involved in the Red Cross, probably when I got involved, I had no idea what I was getting getting myself into, but I knew that I liked helping people. Um, so I jumped in with both feet and been there for eight years already. It's hard to believe it's eight years. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. know, it's funny where, you know, some people would be thinking, oh, okay, I sold my business. And Maybe I'll like travel the world, or maybe I'll maybe I'll just relax a little for a change. No, your first instinct is to dive into something <laughs> that is a 
pretty intense. Do you want to share how intense that can be? Absolutely. So, but before I go there, you know, so I am that kind of guy that always need to do something. You know, you 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 work so hard and you and you play so hard, and then you say I'm not going to do anything today. And by two hours into the day, you wear out the remote trying to figure out what to do. So I always need to be busy and and doing something. So. Um, eight years ago, I uh, answered an ad to uh, volunteer with the American Red Cross. I really, like I said, I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, got involved and started taking some training and um, figured out that uh, the American Red Cross is at least 90% volunteer-based. And the employees of the Red Cross let the volunteers uh, run the mission. And uh, the American Red Cross has a great mission. And we get to uh, make people feel like uh, tomorrow is going to be better than what happened today. So I don't know there's anything better than that. No, that's very inspiring. Yeah. yeah. And. And so eight years ago, this started. And what was the what was the first experience you had with it? Like you didn't just jump into supervising people. No, absolutely not. So yeah. so eight years ago, like I said, I didn't know what was expected. So we call it blue skies, right? So our everyday thing at the American Red Cross is helping local families that were affected by their own tornado, their own disaster. We, that's what I like to call it. But but the average home fire. We'll wake up in the middle of the night and. And we'll go out and we'll try to help the people start their recovery and help them with immediate needs. A lot of times uh, you, you go to a scene, a family in Waterbury or Torrington, um, they just were affected by a uh, complete apartment fire where they have nothing. The Red Cross picks them up, dusts them off, and helps them with their immediate needs. That might be a small amount of money for clothing for the first couple of days, lodging, so they have a place to stay for the night to start figuring out their recovery. So every day it's a... It's a home fire, but when we get to hurricane season or national disasters over the entire country, then that's what's called a deployment, and we could do different things um, and different activities to be able to help people start to rebuild their lives. I remember very distinctly getting a call from you, I think it was four o'clock in the morning Mm. a couple of years ago. Uh, it just makes me realize how long I've known you, right? <laughs> and so um, when I was the executive director for the Bethel Chamber of Commerce, there was a fire right next to our office, and you were on the way there to save the day. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I went, and it, for me, it was so you know, crazy because it was my first time. And so just seeing all the people and what you guys were doing and how long you were there helping them and saving people, you know, the firemen were there, the police officers were there, you guys were there, just making sure that people were safe and they knew what to do next. And one of the things that stood out for me was an element of uh, calmness about you Mm. because everybody else is running around like a lunatic. (laughs) And and I think you sense that and you have the ability to make people feel calm and to even sometimes find humor in situations that will enable people to release that that pain and stress and fear that must happen all the time in the situations that that you guys face, right? Absolutely. You know, the part of your title of your show is fear, right? So you have to you have to just deal with fear and and I the people that I I'm sorry that I supervise, I like to tell them even if you weren't there yesterday and you didn't do it yesterday, act like you did it yesterday. Their life is is a wreck. They don't know what to do next and by you getting excited and not knowing what to do certainly gives them more anxious moments and 
that's part of the job to act like you did it yesterday to have them convinced that you're going to give them good guidance and 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 tell them how and show them how to recover the the thing is that the average person that just got affected by a home fire they just got burned out of everything they have and maybe the only thing they have left is what was in their car is new to them right so they don't know what to do next so you're the guy that's calm collective and going in there and start doing casework and start doing recovery and tell them what to do next because the night of the event or the day after the event they're not thinking they don't know how to think you are thinking for them and experience only makes it easier and better for the next family right so you know we work on those skills um, every event you get a little better, you know. That's great, and I and I know that when we were speaking last time, you were talking about um, helping some of these uh, newbies. I'm sure that's not what you call them, but you know, kids that are learning how to do this uh, for for a living almost. Tell me about how that works. Yeah, so the, those are the you. you the conversation we were having is you were talking about one of the national deployments I was on and we have the AmeriCorps kids that come out. It's an organization that trained them to work for FEMA and different disaster organizations in the future. Great kids. I like uh, ex- uh, teaching kids how to, what to do, uh, you know, what's next, train them. And um, it's exciting to see that, you know, as a teacher, you see that light bulb moment where they finally catch on to what you're trying to tell them to do, or they figured it out. And, um, and the light bulb moment is when it goes off in their head and you could see that they truly understand what, what the mission is and, and, and what to do next. So yeah. one of the other things that, that stood out for me was the gratitude that I sensed from you in the ability to do this. Now, um, it sounds counterintuitive because the gratitude one automatically thinks would be coming from the people at the disaster area, Um, but what you've done is you have realized, I think, that your ability to do this and to serve and to give and to contribute to someone's future, their lives, and make that kind of an impact comes back also to you right it makes you does make you feel good and grateful for everything absolutely we we all should be grateful for what we have in life and and as much as they should have gratitude for what you're doing i almost feel guilty for what i get out of it when you finally help them with something or you finally got them to recover to the point that they have the keys for their new apartment you know so you problem solve and you get to the point where they should be grateful for what just happened but you're grateful for the journey you took with them right so yeah, yeah that's awesome. it's really powerful and great stuff that we get to do yeah it really it, it, it's on a so personal inspiring. note yeah yeah it's so inspiring like you make when you were talking about it i'm like ah, i want to go i want to go help like right now right, right. <laughs> so what's some can you, do you have any good stories that you can share you know i have you know when there's always great stories and every time i uh, take care of or, or help a family recover, it's a great story and it's a great feeling. So, you know, we so far we talked about local events, right? So what we do in our local community, but I've had the opportunity to deploy all over the country for different, uh, what we call disaster relief operations um, from tornadoes and flooding and doing different activities. And just be able to go out into those communities for no other reason but help people and be one-on-one with them 
you know, they're they're, they're just amazing. One one great story that that leads up. I was in Chicago last summer, and they had flooding from North Chicago all the way over to Rockford, Illinois, and sometimes you see some crazy stuff and my job was to go out and what do, to do hot shots and hot shot means you need to go find this family because they've been calling and asking for help and you go down these country roads with cornfields on both sides and I finally finally get to this house and and it's an old farmhouse and you know you, you, you go in there and 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 I knock on the door and there's nobody but I could hear somebody in a car and it's an elderly lady and she's tied to the front seat literally tied to the front seat and miles out in the cornfield I could see a tractor and I could see dust and the tractors coming towards us so I had somebody from what we call mental health there and she's evaluating what's going on in the car and you get a you get an idea or maybe your mind goes the wrong way and finally when that tractor made it all the way to me and I introduced myself she was the daughter of the woman that owned the farm and she was working the farm because she was doing the best that she could do and you get these notions of of expectations of what should be there and I was totally off and when finally we went inside and 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 did what we had to do and helped the family one woman the mother that was out in the tractor and finally came back came to me and said do you have time for me to pray for you mm. and and I'm looking at her mother in a car and the reason she was tied in the car is because the woman had to go out in the fields and do the work and the mother had Alzheimer's and that's what she had to do to be able to make sure she was as safe as she could be to do what she had to do to provide for that family. Right. And the woman wanted to pray for me. And I, and I thought that that was just a moment that, I, and, and, and we're such in a busy schedule. And, and, and I said, yeah, I think we could do that. You know what I mean? And you know, right, the initial reaction might be, "Well, I gotta go do something." I gotta else. go do something else. But, but I said, if that woman's important. trying to make the minute for me to pray for me, that's the least I could do. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'll take that all day long. Right? You know, yeah. so stories like that, I and mean, they just repeated stories and stories where you would never ever expect, unless you were involved in the Red Cross, to be in those situations or in those neighborhood, local neighborhoods, right? Mm -hmm. So we all travel and we all get an airplane and we all go to a tourist trap or, or to an area where we're just visiting. But to be able to be entrenched in neighborhoods in what I say the local people, it's just amazing that uh, what, what, what experiences the Red Cross will give you to be part of that community and help the community heal. You know, so that's incredible. It really, really, really. You know, you, like you said, that it, it just leads me to. I talk a lot about perception, because mm -hmm. fear has to do with perception, and your initial perception of what the situation was is you're is, about ready to blow this up yeah, because like, how could the how could that how woman could be it? left in the car? Yes, but meanwhile, it was the absolute best, safest thing for her to do at that moment in time in order to accomplish her goal. Now, you know, maybe it might not have been some, the safest thing, but it was yeah. it was that woman was doing the best she could do for her family. Right. You know, yeah. and, and there's something to be said for that. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. And <laughs> go ahead. No, no, please. So um, I know that, um, you know, there are people listening from all over the country, but I want to localize this for a moment. Several years ago, uh, when the uh, shooting happened at Sandy mm. Hook, my 
I got the call from my children's school that they were on lockdown uh, because we didn't know what was happening. And um, they were the next town over, but they were not impacted directly. Can you tell a little bit about how the Red Cross helped there and what your experience with that was? Sure. It was, it was, and when the shooting happened, I was probably at the Red Cross office doing something and had no idea what the Red Cross was going to do to be able to support a mass casualty situation, right? That was very new for the Red Cross to be able to, 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 be able to go into a community and help in, in, a, in a tragic moment like that. So initially it was figuring out, you know, just analyzing what had happened. Initially we went in and we were feeding the first responders you know, um, people came from all over the country, from every law department around to figure out what was going on because it was very new. We didn't know what the situation was. Was it, was it terrorism? Was it a single shooter? You know, what was the motive, right? You never know what they're for or what, what the motive behind what's going on is. Um, once we transitioned from helping the first responders, then there was somebody from our social media department that said that we put the blanket, we wrapped the blanket around America or around the community. What we did is we supported our community of Newtown, different, I'm looking for the word, um, of events. We had community events and, you know, President Obama came in and he spoke to the, the community, um, different uh, religion-based organizations came in and different different things we opened up a school to be able to have mental health people from all over the country that come in and support the community to be there and just listen and hold their hands so we were feeding uh, the community right we had areas the schools were open where a lot of donated food come in and and just supportive to the fit to the community and then for the a family, immediate families that were impacted by the, the deaths or the shootings, we had a family assistance center that supported just the families. It wasn't advertised where it was, but the Red Cross went in and helped them with different things. We had mental health professionals in there, spiritual people in there, and um, and just tried to support them the best we could. And that was, that was huge. Um, there was logistics function. There was a lot going on. A great a, a, a great story there we had different events like at Westcon I, I was in charge of logistics and and my boss at the time that would say I need your best driver to do something that meant he wanted me to do something and um, there was one family member that was in the middle of a divorce and his son was shot that morning and um, he was at the funeral all by himself because the other side of the family they weren't getting along that well the Red Cross saw that and knew that we needed to get somebody here from them. He he kind of was a transplant from out of town. We then contacted his one of his female friends in North Carolina and got her up here and flew her up here. One of my jobs that night, and it was a terrible, terrible, terrible mission to do, but was to go to the Hartford airport and pick that woman up mm. and bring her and almost acclimate her to what was happening in Newtown. Because once you got into Newtown, the media, the, it was just out of control. It was a great story. So we got to get her from, from the Hartford Airport, get her to the local to be with that you know father that just lost his son the day before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, so yeah. a lot of people, when they think of the Red Cross, they don't, well, what's the Red Cross? It's not a tornado or, or you know, it's not a hurricane, you know. But, you know, the Red Cross behind the scenes do a lot of wonderful humanitarian things, you know. It, it's the, from everything I've heard, it's so much um, more connected and deeper than what I had known before. Like you said, you think these big things, um, but the stories that you tell are about the individuals. 
And that's what it's always about, isn't it? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. within these big situations where the humanity comes into understanding that it's an individual person and you have to be present with them through this time where they are most in need and most vulnerable. Right. At, at 30,000 feet, it looks like there's a uh, super shelter or a big dome that's got, you know, 30,000 people under we're sheltering. But at the end of the day at the individual cots. It's the individual person with the individual story that we're really, really trying to help. Yeah, yeah. and it's always about that. Now, um, forgive me if this is too difficult, but how does that feel, like in a situation like that, or maybe another um, one if it's, if it's deeper for you, but how do you, like maybe I'm just too, maybe I take things in too much, but how do you deal with all of that yourself? How do you, how are you able to be so present and so caring with these people and not take it in, or do you? And is that part of the beauty of it? Yeah, you know, you, 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 every situation is different, and, and I didn't know what to expect. You know, you, we're talking about we're recently the Newtown tragedy. You have no idea what it does to you, and it takes time for it to start, the layers to start coming off to figure it out. And I, and I think you just put it in a lockbox or in a compartment, and and different triggers or different experiences after the fact bring it out and you deal with them one at a time and um you know that's how i deal with it right you know i just i, I always like to help people and I, I i it makes me feel good and and you know when you're thrown into the situation you have no idea how it's going to affect you you just deal with it you know the night of right and um and you just move on <laughs> You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of fear when it comes to that. You know, how about the fear of, uh, you know, saying the right thing or doing the right thing? You know, right. you know, yeah. it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, there are some really, really, really crazy stories. And and in eight short years with the Red Cross, I never, ever, ever thought that I would come across the situations I have and deal with what I have. Right. I mean, because tragedy is tragedy. It might not be your tragedy. And when you get out of the truck, it's not your tragedy, but you're living it for them because it's not like you just help them that night. You follow them along. And, and, and I personally probably follow my clients further than or farther along in the recovery process than, than I probably should. But I feel like I'm invested in them and I, and I want to get them to the, you know, to the end of the game. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So. That says a lot about you uh, as a person, and and okay, let's let's take this emotional connection, and and look at maybe a different part of the spectrum. Is there any moment that you can think of that during one of these disasters, these tragic events, that you found a lightness, that you um, were able to you know come together in a, in a way that that you know is a little bit lighter. Yeah, well, because recovery is recovery, right? So recovery is light. And any time that you could make people or help them recover, it gets lighter and lighter as the day goes on. You know, um, just working with other volunteers and having the same mission and being able to meet with them every night during whatever we're doing, you know, lightens it all up. And, you know, I, I think part of recovery is it getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And, and by the end of it, you know, you're in a good place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. that's where that, that gratitude seeps in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, what's another, like, favorite story before we uh, draw it to a close? Oh, favorite story. 
the the you know even you know on a local in Brookfield, Connecticut, we had tornadoes last last spring. We had a a, a microburst or a tornado or whatever you want to call it come through, and um, you know you never ever ever think that you're going to respond to a tornado in your backyard, right? So <laughs> I was able to deploy in our in our own little community, and you know nobody got hurt, right? Some damage, you know, property gets damaged, but people people could fix that, right? We could fix stuff all day long. We can't fix people uh, as much as we can. So it was it was really great to be able to, you know, get in, in our own community and, and, and see people. Or when I, you know, so often do I walk up to a, a, a disaster, let it be a fire or the tornado that we're just talking about, and I recognize people from our community, and they kind of look at me and like, what are you doing here? You know, and... and and but that's really cool because yeah. that's what the Red Cross is. It's yeah. people in your community caring enough to be able to go out there in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and help people at their worst possible time. So, you know, there was wonderful stories in in our own community when people would recognize me or recognize the name, you know, because I have a famous name and say, "Oh, I know you from you know past business experience or something like that." But yeah. to be able to help your own community, um, regardless of what the story is, is just a wonderful ending to to that. But like I said earlier, I go to all different parts of the country for different disasters. And, and you know, hurricanes are hurricanes. You know, you know they're coming and you can plan for them. Um, tornadoes are, you know, uh, they hit or they don't hit. Um, flooding. Upstate New York, we did along the Mohawk River. I did some um, some what we call bulk distribution. It's it's dis- distributing emergency um, supplies that you can't buy at your local hardware store. And you just meet normal great people that are so grateful that you're there just to help them so i mean the stories just go on and on and on and they're not as as heavy as some of the other ones and it's just it's just amazing to be there for people a lot of people it's not necessarily what you're doing for them it's the fact that you're there to listen to them and and sometimes that's all they need you know the shovel means nothing the fact that you're just listening and leaning against a car to hear their story because people just need to talk about it and to, to be able to do that you're giving them so much more than what you think you're giving them by just giving them the time so right, right. yeah so yeah that's incredible yeah it is it is good stuff Oh my God. And I'm blessed to be able to do that, right? right? I feel like I'm healthy enough and young enough to be able to go out there and not look like they have to take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I could try to take care of them a little bit. You well, know? you know, what's interesting about that is I, I think personally that what you're doing probably adds years to your life because the energy. God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, there's this. When you're doing good work and you're, you know, you're investing your, your time, your presence, your body, like everything is all working together, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing. You, you know, it, you're getting as much back as we've said this before in, in the beginning. You're getting more back more than ever, Absolutely. ever more anticipated. Back. So just out of curiosity, if someone is listening and inspired to learn more, mm-hmm. Where would they go? How, how would they do that? I love telling the story. So if, if you felt like you had a little time and you wanted to give back to your community and you felt like the mission, you believed in the Red Cross mission, you would go to redcross.org 
in the top right hand corner there's a button you would click and it would say I like to volunteer and it's a process and there's a lot of online training and what we call onboarding but there's reasons for it right you can't just have anybody just jump in and think they're going to do something they need a little bit of some some training and once they get trained up they would then volunteer at their local level and once they got in into the local chapter or region then they then the, the, they could go wherever they want to go and and volunteer as much or as little as you want you know you could go and you could volunteer and you could go to uh, what we call DAT is a disaster action team where you would then wake up in the middle of the night and go to that local fire that I was referring to before or you could have a more structured schedule life where you can install smoke detectors um, in the middle of the day at a scheduled appointment so it's wide open there's tons of things you could do Awesome. Which is really great. Yeah, and I think that it, you know everything that I hear, it's all it's all learning that I you know. So I'm trying to ask the questions that I had when mm-hmm. I was first talking to you about it. Like I thought that there might be when you got involved in it, you you might have to do more. But technically, you could do just one deployment, right? Yep. Per year, you could do as little as you want or as much as you want, and and you could even decide that you are not a candidate for deploying, right? You have to put your availability. The expectation would be once a year, but but if you if you are a local volunteer and you want to help in the blood services where you would help register somebody to give a pint of blood, or if you like I said, if you want to install a smoke detector to a um, a home that doesn't have any smoke detectors, how wonderful would that be? You know, yeah. you know the smoke detector program is a wonderful program. They say it's a national program where we'll go into a home and we'll install up to three smoke detectors per home. We like to hit every level, but they say that it's documented every 1,000 smoke detectors that we install, it saves a life per year. Wow. You know, so so if you had three hours a week to be able to install smoke detectors and by the end of the year you installed 1,000, you could almost have in your head that I just saved a life. Wow. You know, and that seems pretty simple, right? right. You know, when we go to these local fires, one of my first jobs to ask when during an interview is tell me what happened and so often what happens is the neighbor kicked the door down or somebody knocked on a window and told them there's a fire get out of your house Mm. what i really want to hear is the smoke detector went off and i heard the loud beeping and i got out of my home but so often we don't hear that for a simple ten dollar (laughs) device that could wake up a family and get them out of a house so and then and then when you do your your casework there were no smoke detectors or it was an old smoke detector that didn't have the sensor working right and the battery was out of it because somebody didn't want to hear the beeping instead of change the battery right so a ten dollar device that could save your life yeah. <laughs> it seems like a simple thing in 2019 to be able to do certainly know? and you know? you know what i love that you there's a such a range Absolutely. that however you want to help however you whatever time you have whatever skills you have um there's something there's absolutely something to help save a life and at the end of the day it's all the mission right because you're helping the people it's either you're in preparedness you're in blood or you're in disaster Mm -hmm. any one of those categories you could help people and that's what the mission's about yeah and and i just want to say again that that's one of the things that I mean, it really, it is the primary thing that I have always felt about you <laughs> is that you, and I know this is making you terribly uncomfortable, but frankly, <laughs> I don't care at the moment because I think it needs to be said that when 
you're someone who just lives your life that way. You know, that's your, it's just who you are. It's an element of who you are. It's not like, the reason why it was difficult to get you on here is because you're not someone who does it just for the recognition. You don't, the recognition is not something you want. You want to do good. And, it, and it's in, in every, you know, pore of your being. It yeah. comes across when somebody meets you. And for that, I am hugely grateful. And thank you for it, well worth the ice cream for, <laughs> for spending the time with us here today. Is there anything else that you would like to add? No, you know, it, what gets me in trouble in life and trying to help people, I think this is important. Years ago, when my son was two or three years old, um, I, I, I said no to my son one day and my grandmother at the time looked at me and said why'd you say no to your son and you know I didn't have the answer at the tip of my tongue mm-hmm. and then she turned around and said to me in life John if you don't have a good reason to say no then you say yes so so often I say yes to whatever I try to get involved in and I jump in with both feet because if I don't have a good reason to say no then then it's a yes gosh i love that that is perfection that could get you in trouble certainly but you know what well worth it right i appreciate that and i appreciate the time being here and 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 i think i'm a real passionate guy and and i love what i do and um and this was a lot of fun thank you yeah truly appreciated thank you (laughs) all right